know, I, I admit it. I have a super cool job. I'm, I'm privileged in the sense that I get to serve school leaders full time, right? Within the mastermind, one-on-one coaching, uh, the principal success path. But another part of how I show up and live out my just cause to connect, grow, and mentor every school leader who wants to level up is creating shows for you, right? And this podcast is a labor of love. So today's conversation, you know, normally I tell a story here, but I'm, instead of the story, I'm going to do more of a context, like frame the episode. And I'm joined by Dina Perot, who is just a, a gem of a human being. And for for listeners who are listeners of color, um, she shares an experience where oftentimes she finds herself to be the only black female within a, a high level group. And what's that like? And how does she assert herself and that kind of thing? So if you could use some encouragement and some tips on how to use your voice, like this shows for you. And then for somebody like me with, with tons of privilege and uh, unconscious biases and, and I'll never experience what Dina experiences uh, in a given day, I learned a lot, right? And, and so for listeners who look like me or have a similar worldview um, experience and background, you're going to get a lot from the episode too. Uh, finally, she's you know she founded a really cool program I want you to ch- check out called iUrban Teen, and you'll hear plenty about that in the episode as well. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Establish your legacy with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty as you develop the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community. Apply now for our June and July cohorts at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Kateras using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during covid Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. Hey there, Ruckus Makers. Today I am joined by Dina Piro, a sought-after diversity strategist, international speaker, social entrepreneur, and founder of iUrban Teen, an award-winning and nationally recognized STEM and arts program for youth of color. Most recently, Dina co-founded and launched Black Women in STEM 2.0. Ms. Perot was honored as a White House Champion of Change for Technology Inclusion by President Obama in 2013. 
And Dino, welcome to the show. Daniel, thank you for having me. And you know, I have to say, I love that title, Ruckus Makers. Those are my favorite peaks. They really are. You know, because I consider myself a positive deviant, you know, meaning I'll look at something that everyone thinks is normal and I'll deviate from it to make it something more positive and, and impactful. So anyway, thank you for having me on the show. It is absolutely my honor. And I think uh, I could connect to what you're saying there in so many ways. But I can't wait to just tell your story. And, you know, Dina, you've held some prestigious positions and worked on some high level teams, including Commissioner of African American Affairs in Washington State. Uh, I'd like Mm -hmm. to start by asking what's it like being a champion for equity while being the only Black woman in the room? You know, Daniel, I'm going to say it it hasn't been easy and it's not for the faint of heart. I had, you know, it's looking at this whole space around diversity, equity, inclusion and all that. I didn't even consider it until I moved up to the Pacific Northwest from California, Southern California, back in the 90s, early 90s. And I saw this huge disparity around cultures. You know, Portland is very liberal but then there's a part of it that is not so liberal as you may think, or they have a different lens on what liberalism is. But I saw a lot of um, inequities for people of color, especially African-Americans there in Portland. And so I, being the ruckus maker that I am, I wasn't having it. You know, I one of the things that I always have done, even at fear of being excluded, you know, marginalized, you know, all of those things. I always had strong sense of self. I learned early on how to advocate for myself and I can't fathom not having my voice voice heard even though I may be the only one that looks like me in a room. And so, but that struck a lot of people differently because they weren't used to that type of um, positive, assertive behavior from a woman of color. And so I was always going against the grain. In fact, I remember in the 90s, when I was creating a lot of different equity diversity initiatives there at the city, I had some of my own folks say, Dina, you're too opinionated. You rock the boat too much. You have to make them comfortable, meaning I had to make the dominant culture folks comfortable around me. Think about how that fits and how that sits in on someone, you know, that I have to change who I am and become a second self to make you comfortable. I never went that direction. And so now, what is it, 2021, and especially after 2020 with George Floyd's murder and those type of things that happened, we had a whole new view on on, on culture and on, 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 on civil rights and on Black Lives Matter and all. And I had everyone coming to me, you know, requesting assistance, help and, and all that. And I thought to myself, wow, before I was too much of a ruckus maker for everyone. And now I'm a hot commodity. So I say that to say, I am so glad that I have always had my voice heard, that I never went into second self. You know, I've never tried to fit into someone else's box. And I work with a lot of women and and people of color on how do you do that? How do you best advocate for yourself and have your voice heard without fear of repercussion? Um, So anyway, long story short, I'm very comfortable in rooms where I'm the only one, you know, and I make sure that I'm representing women and women of color positively in those spaces. 
you know, is there something you could offer to our, our listeners of color that maybe are less comfortable than you are? Uh, being that only person in the room or, or positively asserting your voice, making sure your voice may be heard. But what, what might you say to them? You know, I, I will say practice, practice, practice. It's going to be scary and uncomfortable when you do advocate for yourself, but you have to learn how to do it. This is why so many of us in the African-American community, in the, in the Latinx communities, we what we do is what I call suffer in silence. Something may be happening, but you're afraid to voice your concern or stand up for yourself because you feel there's going to be something that's going to happen. I need this job. They're going to fire me if I, if I advocate for myself. No, it is more detrimental if you don't. Healthcare, high blood pressure, heart disease, all of those things, the stressors that that brings because we're suffering in silence. I would say practice. Say, for instance, Daniel, you and I were in the office space. You as a white male, you say something that is actually a micro or a macro aggression to me. Instead of me smiling and laughing it off, ha, 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 and then going to my friends who look like me and say, you know, I think Daniel's racist because he said this to me. Instead of that, and Daniel, you may have been totally innocent in what you said, just didn't know, right? Instead of walking away, either that instant or later that day or tomorrow, come back to Daniel and say, you know, Daniel, I really want to share the impact of what you said to me. Because I know it wasn't your intent, but it really felt like a microaggression. How do we work around that? You know, can I give you some different language to use? That's how you, you're not saying it in an angry tone. You're talking to a friend, but you're still sharing your concern and you're advocating for yourself. So it could be something that minor. And always give them the benefit of the doubt. You may not be aware of this and how it may have impacted you, me, but let me share this with you right? You're giving them grace without saying, this is what you said to me. And I am like, you know what? I'm pissed. So it's, it's coming. It's how you approach the situation. But I will tell people never hold on to that, you know, just never hold on to it because it festers and becomes something that can be detrimental to your health and you as a person. Right, right. I really appreciate what you said too, you know, not letting too much time pass, approaching it as like a friend I heard, uh, there is a difference between intent and impact, right? And we have to yeah. learn to be put our growth mindset on. And when something we do lands in a way that we didn't expect and causes harm, let's learn from that moment and become a little bit better, a little less biased. Uh, because that intent impact thing is, you know, that, I mean, to be honest, my wife is Zimbabwean, right? And so we have discussions because there's times even as her husband, right? Like I love her more than anything in the world. I do stupid stuff sometimes and we'll have a discussion because intent and impact, like there was, there was a harm caused there and it, it exactly. sucks. It hurts, but I've learned to listen, right? Because there's, there's something there that probably because of my worldview experience growing up and perspective, right. And privilege, like I just, I don't see some things. And so when I learned that makes me a little bit better. Makes you a little bit better. Makes you a whole person. You know, you become a true, you know, ally, you know, but then there's the other side, because that what we just talked about was more of the implicit bias. Mm -hmm. Then there's the explicit, mm -hmm. you know, where they are truly saying it with and they know what they're saying. You know, they want to hit you at a certain level. 
that's when you do come back a little more stern. And in it could be in the moment or it could be shortly after the moment when you have time to digest it and be calm, you know, and just say, you know, and then you approach it differently. I, I think you know the impact of what you just said. I think we need to have a mediator. We need to have a third person here so that we can talk about this. You always want that documented, you know, and something like that, if it's someone at work, you probably would be best to send that in an email so that you'll have written documentation. You will know what's implicit and what is explicit. The explicit is what we have to stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one last question on this. I'd like to dive a little bit deeper. So uh, for somebody like me, I, I have lots of privilege, right? White, male, cisgendered, straight, you know, lots of privilege there. What, what mm-hmm. would you tell some, tell me and then like listeners that look like me, what's something that we could do maybe to create a, a little more belonging, a little more psychological safety uh, for folks that don't look like us on our teams? On your teams. And, and that's, that's so good. You know, I'm so proud of a lot of the work that I've been doing and talking to organizations. Most of the people there who volunteer to be in those sessions are white males, white cis males. That's telling me that they want to be a part of this. In fact, and I'll really quickly, I was doing a, um, I had a keynote uh, up in Bellingham, Washington at the university there. And I thought it was going to be basically faculty and maybe some community members, but 90% of the audience were students. And out of that 90%, 85% were white male students. And so when I started talking, I said, I, you know, I said, I got to address something here in the room. I said, there's a lot of students here, a lot of white male students. You guys aren't getting any extra credits or anything to be here to listen to me. Talk about this equity and diversity and inclusion stuff. And so I sat down next to one of them, you know, and I had the mic. Um, oh, I'm because I'm, I'm so engaged with the audience. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, this is what it is. Let's, right. let's talk about this. So I sat down next to one and I said, so tell me, why are you here today? And he said, I'm here because I want to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. You know, I want to learn how do I share this privilege, you know, in an authentic way. And all the other young men were shaking their head. Yes. And so I went into another one. I said, "Okay, so what's your story? And he said, you know, he grew up in an environment where he kept hearing these negative things about others and it just didn't sit well with him. So he's always been on this quest to be more aware and knowledgeable. And how do I become a good ally? And so, Daniel, when I left that that keen that session that day, I just had such a sense of positive energy and positive force that this generation is going to be some true game changers. They're going to be the ruckus makers, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they want, they they intrinsically want to make a difference. So with you, with your privilege, how do I share that, that privilege? How do I help advocate and show good allyship to others who don't look like me in those spaces. You might be in a meeting, a simple um, explanation or, or, or clue of this. You may be in a meeting with all white ma- males and you ha- might have me in the room. I say something and no one acknowledges it or says anything. You can come back and say, you know, Dina, I really love that idea and that suggestion that you just made. I think that's something, and I think that we all can agree to look further in this and take a deeper dive. What do you think about this? Engage me. Let me help help share my voice. Don't say, 
to the others. What I think she's trying to say is, you've just diminished me. Yeah. Bring you into right? the conversation. Bring me into the conversation. Always look at ways of how do I bring this person, how do I help amplify their voice? Right, right, right. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, that's helpful to me. And I know for a lot of the ruckus makers listening, uh, I want to shift gears to um, family engagement. You know, that's that's a, the superpower of yours. You know, your genius at it. And <laughs> I'd love to hear what's been the key to success when it comes to family engagement. And how do you invite those families in? Well, you know, I think I've created this vehicle, Irvin Teen, that is so innovative and it's so interesting that when parents see our marketing materials, they want to get involved or they, what happens a lot of times, they will show up and drop off their kids. This is what happened when we first launched in 2011. They'll show up and drop off their kids, but I instantly see them and I come up and I acknowledge them, right? I think you can tell from my personality that I'm very yeah. engaging. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I always create a, a sense of, of, of comfort. I'm hands-on. And I will tell them, like with the first one event we had back in October 2011, I said, oh, come stay. Come on in. I got coffee over here for you. Right. You honor the families by inviting them in, letting them be a part of this machine. So at our events, we have our parent roundtable sessions where we'll sit with the parents and chit chat, shoot the breeze and talking about their students. You know, tell me about your, your child. You know, what is what do you think that is so just amazing for them? Where do you think that they need more help? Then we walk with work with parents, too, on how do you advocate for your child at school? Right. How do you become how do you become a part? How is how do you make a partnership between you, the teacher and administration at those schools and not be intimidated by them? Because truth be told, a lot of times they don't want to see our parents come up there. Yeah. Right. Well, how do you, again, that whole advocacy thing, how do you advocate for yourself and your child with that school and have them and, and turn this into a true partnership? So we talk about those kind of things. I ask them, what do you guys like to see? What would you like to see an Ireland team and offering for your students? We have the parents help with lunches. So it is a true community. We've created this communal thing in the black and brown communities, which is built on trust and comfort We've built that. So now these families, because we weren't funded for nine years, we weren't funded at all. Mm. It was the families that kept pushing us along, you know, helping the volunteer at events, helping with marketing outreach, making sure those kids were there. So I think that's what created it. And they authentically know that we care about them and their children. That's the difference. They intrinsically know they have trust in us. Yeah. Yeah. You can't fake that, Karen, either. So, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up at the end there. Well, Dina, I think this is a good place to, to pause just for a moment for a message from our sponsors. But when we return, I'd love to hear more about the two questions that you ask iUrban teen participants and what you've learned. Learn the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. A joint collaboration between the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Harvard Business School. Connect and collaborate with fellow school leaders as you address your problems of practice in our online professional development program. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. 
That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Dina Pirot, who is the founder of iUrban Teen, among many other wonderful accomplishments. Uh, with iUrban Teen, I know you asked the same two questions to, to your student participants. Where did we do right by you? And where did we miss the mark? What have you oh, learned, yeah. Dina? Yeah, what have you learned asking students of color those questions? I love that because you know what? It's and we ask that question as peer-to-peer, not adult speaking to child, right? Okay, good, good. It's peer-to-peer. We bring them in. They know that we value their opinions and we want to do right by them, you know? And that's what we say, you know, we, what did we do right by you today? And where did we miss the mark? And so we document all of their, their, their opinions. Now, we hardly ever get any negatives at all. The only negatives that we get, and it's, it's like clockwork. I tell my folks, watch, they're going to say we want more prizes. So some of the negatives, because <laughs> I have prizes, I have raffle yes, prizes at the end of the day, right? And it's so fun. Um, and they'll, somebody will go, uh, we, you need to add more prizes. And I go, you guys, we're a nonprofit, okay? I'm trying to do the best I can. The, um, the other things they'll say is that the negative, it was too short. Can we have a two or three day summit? Because we have a one-day STEM, big STEM summit. Then we have all of our after-school activities and stuff. But our big flagship thing is the is the one day. And but the positives outweigh so much. Oh my God, you know the positives. I had fun today. I learned a lot. I um, the the instructors were engaging. This and the other. The the oh God, I get sentimental when I think about about this. Um, what I hear a lot is they'll, they'll say, thank you. I felt valued today. When I hear that, Daniel, that's when I know we hit the mark because so often our black and brown students feel marginalized, you know, in schools and in society. Um, they have these labels at risk, underprivileged, all those things What I never call our students. I only call them brilliant. That's it, right? And so for them to say and feel that they felt valued by us that day, is priceless. You know, yes, I want them to know about STEM careers and all of that, but I also want them to feel that they're part of a community and that we honor them. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that that's why we've had in our 10 years that we, this is our 10th year anniversary, we worked with over 10,000 youth and we have about an 82% retention rate, meaning these families stay with us year after year after year. Right. And, you know, 
with this idea of uh, valuing students, I, we talked about how you can't fake, you know, caring. Mm-hmm. I hear you being intentioned with the language you use, you know, brilliant versus mm-hmm. at risk, under-resourced, whatever, marginalized. Yeah. Um, anything else come to mind to you when you think about like, how do you communicate like that belonging that you're valued here? Well, you know, I think it's because we get their input early on. You know, we greet them. We're so, and they can feel that we're so excited to even see them. You know, when they show up at our one day workshops, when they show up for our STEM summits, when they show up for our after school programs, there's this level of energy that we give off early on that we value you, right? And we, we talk to them peer to peer. We don't talk to them as adult to child teaching you, I'm going to show you what's best for you. No, we're going to talk about what's what we think collectively, what's best for the overall organization and what we're bringing to you, you know. In partnership is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, it's a different type of partnership um, that we have. And, and I don't know if it's because I'm an extroverted empath or what, but... But yeah, so that that same thing that that core value of Iurban team is spread out throughout our whole organization. I don't even have people work with us that don't value helping to create this yellow brick road for these kids. So, yeah, it's 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 heart work is what I call it. Absolutely, and that that was a shift you know I made in the podcast a few years ago, trying to level it up. Um, and you know, you participate in the intro call and that kind of thing, but. Uh, I wanted not just to bring great ideas and, and innovative thinking to the ruckus maker listening, but I wanted to tell stories that connected with their heart, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that's really where, where change happens. So uh, mm-hmm. the heart work emphasis is, I resonate with that. I know ruckus makers listening are super pumped about iUrban Teen. So how, how do schools get involved with you? Well, you know, they can reach out on our website. Uh, there's a a button there where they can get information to contact me. So definitely contact me or just shoot me an email at Dina, D-E-E-N-A at iurbanteen.org because we are actually working with more schools. We just got a contract with the Vancouver School District to do a two-year program, you know, with them. We've had contracts in Los Angeles as well for some of our programs. So I'm definitely looking at doing more after-school programming for schools. Wonderful. Uh, cool. So let's shift to the last two questions I asked all my guests. Cannot wait to hear how you'll answer these. If you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read? The message that I would say is we value you. Again, that's a key word for me, that whole value. We value you, that school. We value all of our students and families. And now you're building your dream school, Dina. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. So how would you go about building your dream school and what would be the top three guiding principles? Oh, wow. Let's see. Okay, my dream school would be such a creative, innovative, funky place, you know, (laughs) where the students enjoy being there I would start it. The classes would start later in the day. They would start like nine o'clock or even later, and they would end earlier in the day as well. But I would have so much. It would almost be like Disneyland school, you know, because I think that's the child in me. 
but yeah. it would have more creativity. It would have a lot of arts. It would be an arts crafty, you know, school that shows you how the arts and STEM is interconnected, right? Where you're having these hands-on multi-layered experiences, where you're having those out-of-school experiences of field trips, of going to different companies, doing outdoor activities and education. So again, those top three principles for me would be the creativity, building in a creative space, an outlet for these for these students. Having, having the administration in having a lot of artists in as some of the administrators as well, so they can understand that creative piece. Um, and lastly, having that social emotional learning piece interwoven in as well, where you have therapists there uh, that this, that students can talk to at any given moment, you know, on what's troubling them for the day, you know, and being able to talk that out in a safe environment and a collective environment as well. So that's what I would would want, and in fact. That's what I'm aiming for. Love it. Well, Dina, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? The one thing that I want the ruckus maker to remember is keep on being that ruckus maker. You know, change doesn't happen by being complicit, right? Continue having your voice heard. When you see change is needed, How do you build up a team of champions around you to create that change? Don't stay average. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.